Welcome to the Canine Nation Podcast. It's Sunday, October 21st, 2018, and this is episode 107. Hi, this is Eric Brad, and this week on the podcast, we're going to talk about corrections. Before we get into corrections, let's talk a little bit about timing. One of the things that I've discovered that's important in my own training is to have good timing when I'm marking a behavior that I want or when delivering a reward to my dog. I know that I've gotten some strange behaviors when my timing wasn't good and my dog was able to add a little bit of something before I could get the reward or the marker in. And then I had to go back later and either correct that behavior or somehow convince my dog that that wasn't really necessary. If my timing is that important when I'm teaching a behavior to my dog, how much more important would my timing be if I'm going to try and punish a behavior that I don't want from my dog? And that's part of what I want to talk about today. If I'm not going to be as precise as I can be with my dog when I'm using punishments or aversives. It's kind of like using a shotgun rather than a scalpel. I'm not just punishing the behavior I intend to punish. I'm probably punishing a whole spectrum of behaviors on either side of that behavior that may have happened too early or happened too late. Timing can be important. To get back to the notion of corrections, That's something I remember from my days as a traditional trainer. I remember being taught that the leash pop was a correction or any number of other small aversives were called corrections because they were meant to correct the dog from doing a behavior that we didn't want them to do. But I think that term is a bit of a misnomer because a correction doesn't really correct anything. That leash pop or that poke in the side is really intended to interrupt the dog or to get them to stop doing something, and it tells them absolutely nothing about what we want them to do instead. So I never really understood, once I got into behavioral training, why traditional trainers call corrections corrections. It just doesn't make sense to me because there's no information in it for the dog to understand what the correct behavior should be. I think the important factor here is that we can't really control what the dog learns from a correction, especially a poorly timed correction. Yes, we intend for them to understand that the thing they're doing is unwanted and they should stop doing it, but if we don't have good timing, they can't be sure what it is we're talking about. And if we don't give them an opportunity to do it properly in a fairly short amount of time, Well, we're not really setting them up to do it properly the next time. All they really know is there are a number of things that probably are not a good idea in that circumstance. Corrections do have their costs, no matter how precise you are or what your intentions might be. That fallout that Sidman talks about in his book can be detrimental to your relationship with your dog and can create problems that you're only going to have to solve further down the line. Let's take a deeper look at this topic. This is my essay, The Costs of Corrections. Positive dog training using rewards has taught me some interesting lessons. 
One important lesson I learned is that you get the behavior that you reward. So if you reward a crooked sit, or your dog accidentally turns her head before you can give her the reward, that crooked sit or turn of the head might become part of the behavior that you're teaching. You see, timing is important when teaching your dog new behaviors. In fact, timing is very important when your dog learns anything. And this leads me to an interesting question. If timing is so important when teaching my dog new behaviors, isn't timing also critical when you punish your dog for doing unwanted behaviors? If your dog can inadvertently learn something you didn't intend because of bad timing during training, can your dog also get the wrong message when you punish without proper timing and context? I think that's a question worth looking at. The classic example of this is the leash pop so often taught by trainers. A leash pop is a quick tug on the leash that quickly pulls against the dog's neck. It appears to be more of a, hey, pay attention to me gesture, and less of a learning experience for most dogs. So the question is, when the timing is wrong, what does the dog actually learn? Most dog trainers refer to the unpleasant or aversive things that you do to stop unwanted behaviors as corrections. This is intended to convey that you are correcting your dog's improper behavior to one that is more suited to a behavior that you do want. But are you really correcting your dog or merely interrupting what she's doing at the moment? Are you communicating that what she is doing is not okay? Or are you just stopping that behavior right now because it's not what you want? There are other interrupters, too. The loudly yelled, No! or hey, are popular with many people. I have also seen people grab collars and pull, poke, push, clap, stamp a foot, and barge into their dog. Even an unexpected smack on the nose or rump to interrupt a behavior is sometimes used. This might move your dog away from the thing you don't want her to be doing, but the timing and severity of this kind of correction can have unexpected and potentially damaging results. To find out why this approach can be damaging, we have to turn to Ivan Pavlov, a Russian researcher who lived at the turn of the 20th century. Pavlov's work in understanding the involuntary physical responses of animals to environmental sights, sounds, and actions has evolved into the behavioral science of classical conditioning. Many of us are familiar with the story of Pavlov's dogs, who were conditioned to salivate at the sound of a bell, even in the absence of food. This involuntary behavior came about because lab workers had inadvertently sounded a bell just before feeding the dogs. In a short time, the dogs associated the ringing of the bell with the delivery of food and would salivate at the sound of the bell even if no food was present. This is what we now call classical conditioning. The involuntary pairing of something in the environment, like the bell, with something else in the environment, like the food. What this means for us as dog owners is that our dogs are always watching, always learning, always making correlations between things that they experience in their environment. They are trying to make sense of their world. The important thing to remember is that our dogs are completely unaware of our intentions. 
they only see our actions and try to make sense of them in the context of what else is going on in the environment. Pavlov's discovery is always present. Classical conditioning is always happening with our dogs, whether we choose to be aware of that or not. What we risk by not keeping this basic behavioral fact in mind is the creation of unexpected behaviors in our dogs. In his book Coercion and Its Fallout, Dr. Murray Sidman describes three general behavioral responses to unpleasant events in the animal's environment. Escape behaviors are behaviors a dog will develop to try to stop or escape an unpleasant action that's happening in the environment. Avoidance behaviors are behaviors a dog will develop once she recognizes the signs that an unpleasant event is about to happen. The behaviors are designed to successfully avoid that unpleasant event before it starts. The null state is the third type of response, and it's actually no response at all. The null state occurs when the dog has given up on any escape or avoidance behavior and simply accepts whatever unpleasantness is delivered because she cannot work out any way to successfully avoid it. I think most of us recognize these situations with our own dogs. For instance, if my dog is drinking out of the toilet and I angrily barge into the bathroom, she might immediately stop drinking, lower her head, and slink toward me in a submissive posture. If I think this is cute, or if I think my dog is showing appropriate remorse, I will probably stop being angry and my dog will have successfully escaped from my angry behavior. After I do this enough times, my dog may notice some warning behaviors from me, like getting up or saying no or moving quickly to approach her, as she heads toward the bathroom door, and she might turn away instead and maybe lie down or move off to another room. My dog successfully avoids an unpleasant situation with me by recognizing the signs that I would not react well to her heading for a drink from the toilet. But my timing is important here. Both of the situations above are dependent on my dog recognizing that it is her drinking from the toilet behavior that is the cause of my unpleasant reaction. If my timing isn't good, my dog can get a very different message. For example, had I not caught her in the act and delivered a punishment while she was just standing in the bathroom with water on the floor around the toilet, what could she make of this? Does the water on the floor make me angry? Is her presence in the bathroom the problem? What escape or avoidance behavior could be successful in those circumstances? The only thing my dog would learn for certain from this scenario is that the potential exists for me to be angry with her if she is in the bathroom with water on the floor around the toilet. So the next time I step out of the bathtub and drip water on the floor, it's possible that my dog will slink out of the bathroom, and I might be confused by that if I didn't think about how my previous actions may have affected my dog's perceptions. In fact, the dog is simply avoiding what she has experienced previously as an unpleasant situation. In fact, any further attempt to get my dog into the bathroom if there's water on the floor might make her even more stressed and uncertain. Then, 
She may start to search for successful behaviors to escape those stresses of me calling her into the scary bathroom. A successful lowering of the head or rolling over might get me to come out of the bathroom instead to reassure her. And my dog has now learned how to turn off the stress of being called into a wet bathroom. All the while, I may be thinking to myself, what the heck is going on with my dog? Especially if the initial poorly timed punishment for drinking from the toilet occurred days or even weeks ago. Ultimately, for a dog, it's about being successful. She is just looking for ways to be right in her environment. Poorly timed punishments are confusing. If your dog can't make sense of why she is being punished, or if that punishment seems inconsistent, in that sometimes she gets punished and sometimes she doesn't, then she can't find a way to be successful. There is no response that seems to work. And this leads directly to Sidman's third kind of response, simply accepting the punishment without understanding what is causing it. The dog becomes less and less willing to behave in any way because a punishment could be coming at any time. So she waits quietly until she is certain the next thing she wants to do is going to be okay with you. Realistically, we will all need to punish our dogs at one point or another. There will be times when our dogs are going to do something we don't want. As positive trainers, we don't avoid punishing our dogs, we just try to be as careful and clear with our punishments as we are with our rewards. There are alternatives to corrections that can be effective. Ideally, you can make your point clearly and your dog can learn to change her behavior with a minimum of unpleasant corrections. But after all, the one thing your dog learns for certain from every correction is that you have the ability and the willingness to make things unpleasant for her. So, correcting your dog can and does have a cost. The cost can range from a momentary drop in her mood to confusion or even frustration so great that your dog is unwilling to try anything with you just to try and avoid the punishments. What the cost is and how it manifests itself in your dog is something very much under your control as her owner. If you recognize that Pavlov's discovery is always present and your dog is always watching, you can try to be clear and precise so that you don't have to correct your dog all that often. If you pair that approach with a training program designed to teach her what you prefer that she do before she gets into trouble, that can be a recipe for a long and happy life together. Until next time, have fun with your dogs. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We have over 100 episodes available both at the caninenation.ca website and also available through iTunes and other podcast directories. You can also find Canine Nation articles at the lifeisahuman.com website or follow the links under writing at caninenation.ca. There are some great podcasts out there about dogs, behavior, and training. I'd like to share two of my favorites with you. Dog Talk with Nick Benger is a weekly podcast out of the UK. Nick interviews some of the best and brightest trainers in the world. He gives you a look not just at training concepts and techniques, but also some great insight into the person he's talking with. 
lots of great information, and some wonderful stories from Nick's guests. You can find Nick's podcast on iTunes and all of the major podcast directories, or you can check out his website at nickbenger.com. That's N-I-C-K-B-E-N-G-E-R.com. The Animal Training Academy podcast with Ryan Cartledge is another great interview podcast from New Zealand. Ryan's guests are from many areas of the training world, not just dogs. Ryan has interviewed horse trainers, behavioral scientists, wild animal trainers working with zoos, and lots and lots of great dog people as well. Ryan's podcast is also available at iTunes and the best podcast directories. You can find Ryan's website at animaltrainingacademy.com. So head to your favorite podcast listening app and check these out. Canine Nation is also on Facebook. You can find our Canine Nation page where we post information about the latest articles, podcasts, and news about Canine Nation events. We also have a discussion group, the Canine Nation Forum. It's a place to discuss the podcast, the Canine Nation essays, life with dogs, and training our dogs, or just to share some information we found around the Internet. Thank you for listening. I'd appreciate it if you'd share this with the dog people in your life. I guess that's all for now. Until next time, have fun with your dogs. <laughs>